everybody. Welcome back to the Mind Muscle Connection. I'm Joe Klimzeski with Tyler Weeb. We are going to focus on winning and losing. I think this is a good extension from what we talked about last week, Tyler, uh, which was how to create a sense of longevity and actual tangible longevity in your health and fitness life, uh, even a competitive physique sport career. And uh, of, of course, I've been you know, on that ride, I've, I've kind of peaked out at what I wanted my competitive career to be. And now I'm still involved in enjoying other aspects of it off the stage personally, but I want to really zoom in and focus on the beginning of that journey. And, and I'm going to repeat a few things. I had this conversation in my, my live daily chat I do with clients and coaches and, and this week when I, there was such a response. I mean, there was a visceral, like I, I saw people uh, who, who messaged me afterwards and through the chat that was like, wow, this really opened my eyes. And this was a gut punch. And other people were just nodding and saying, yes, we need to talk about this. And it's the fact that there's a change. And so many of these things are tied to social media. The fact that information is so instant now and it just didn't used to be. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start back again with a little bit of a contrast in the fact that when I started my physique sport career, it was as an adolescent training, lifting weights, looking at all these, these uh, personas in the magazines, and I'm going to be Mr. Olympia someday. And so I'm going to train. And I set a couple of goals. When I was 15 years old, I said I wanted to compete before I was 21 and I wanted to be a pro before I was 30. And think, think of how long apart those goals are. And I was willing, and, and I just it was an understood element that it takes time to grow, it takes time to mature, it takes time to build an actual physique. And every step of the way, there were wins and losses, many more losses than wins, but I was able to turn those losses into fuel to improve. And what I see more than ever now, Tyler, is so many people, perhaps because of just what they see in social media, is, oh, this is cool. I want to compete in my first show. By the way, I want my pro card next year. And because people are in such a hurry to get to the top rung, there's just so much frustration and so many people get angry and burned out. And all I remember about my 20-year career of competing is pure fun. I mean, it was great. Even when I would lose it, it hurt. Um, I, I planned on winning every show I went into. I mean, that was my mindset and training and motivating myself, but just like any athlete, when you're on that losing side, you, you know, you get over it pretty quickly and you go back home and you do what you need to do to, to take that next step. So I'm just curious, you're kind of on the other side of that social media bubble. And so maybe you don't see that contrast, but how do you perceive today's current state of just what people expect out of a competition career? Pretty much that. <laughs> my first competition, I expect to get my pro card, essentially, is, is a lot of what you see. Um, and I think you even, you know, you even see that in general pop too, is they come to you and it's like, oh, I'm going to lose those 50 pounds and, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that all within a year. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa you know, looking at your dieting history, looking at where you're at right now, we're maybe looking at more of a two to three year project than the one year project. And I always found that to be one of the hardest things to talk to, to clients about, especially the competitors of, especially the first time competitors, you almost have to go, 
expect to lose. You're going to go through all this hard work, probably not going to win. Sorry, that is just the sport is a subjective sport. And you're going to be going up against, you know, people who have possibly, you know, this is their fifth, sixth, seventh show that they've done over the last 10, 12 years. I, there's just sometimes there's nothing you can do about it, but I still want you to work really hard towards this. This is one of the, like one of the hardest messaging things that I found with competitors, because you do have to kind of balance out those expectations of I'm going to win. Yes. I still want you to think that having that mentality is still a very positive thing because it's going to get you through those dark, hard times of prep when, you know, you don't have any food left for the day and you've still got to go do cardio or, you know, you, you blew out your macros and it's 2 PM and it's like, Oh shit, like <laughs> this is going to be a long day. You know, there was times, you know, during my last prep where I was waking up at three o'clock, three 30 in the morning. I was like, I can't sleep anymore. And I've only got about, you know, 1500 calories for the day. What the heck am I going to do? Like, this is, this is going to be a long day. And having that mindset of, trying to be the best is what got me through that. But what I think the important distinction was between my first and second competition is that I was trying to be the best for myself. And yes, I still wanted to be the best on stage, but the driving of I'm trying to prove something for me was the bigger driver. And I think that was the most important thing. And that, that small little difference of, uh, of, of, of making it a little bit more fun. Now, you know, when you're starving and tired, is that fun, you know, quote unquote, no, not really. But the idea that you are pushing yourself to levels that you've maybe never pushed yourself to and seeing how far you can take it, you know, that fun is almost, it's a, it's that delayed gratification because now you can look back and go, okay, like I, I did it for me. I did it for myself. I did it to the point where, Hey, I showed myself, I can go a little bit further next time. I can do a little bit more. And I think you learn, you learn a lot from, from preps. Like again, from my first prep to my second prep, they were, you, they were not even close to being the exact same thing. Like not even close. They're 180 degrees, completely different mindset wise, look wise, everything about it. And I, I lost both I did. I mean, I placed in my second one and I was ecstatic. I placed top, you know, top five overall. And that was amazing because guess what? I didn't even like, you know, place in my first one. You know, I was in that 17, 18, where it's like, why are we even giving, you know, those guys the numbers? So I, I definitely do see a lot of that. I think it's also because of the, the social media nowadays, everyone shredded a year round. Apparently, you know, everyone looks, you know, like a pro year round, um, you know, people do that one show, they're a coach now, look at me. And so, yeah, I, I think a lot of that delayed gratification, that delayed fun, um, you know, has certainly kind of been swept under the rug uh, over the last few years when it comes to competing. You, you mentioned three things there in kind of a linear way. And I want to, I want to stagger them a little bit chronologically. So you started out by saying, uh, you should expect not to win. There are people who have been here three, four, five, six, seven shows in 10 years, and then you should expect not to win. Then you said, but I want you to expect to win. I want you to, I want you to have that. That's going to fuel you. And then you talked about competing against yourself. And, and those are perfectly all three elements. I think that we have to place in our mind, but if we try to 
balance them, then I know that sounds logical, but we miss a, a way that we can use what's very, very normal human self-delusion to its greatest advantage. So we've talked about this in this podcast before where you know people will believe whatever they want to believe. You can have all this empirical evidence and they're going to say, nope, I'm going to believe this instead. And, you know, it's just very difficult to get people to to come around to a worldview change. And this is where I've I've struggled with this, or at least I've wrestled with it in terms of how does this really work and how do I explain it to clients? Because I totally admit I was 1000% delusional every step of the way in my bodybuilding career. When I said I wanted to turn pro by the time I was 30, I meant IFBB pro. And in my mind, I was going to be Mr. Olympia someday. And yet, and I'm telling you, there was never a single show when I'm training and looking in the mirror that I wasn't just sure I was going to win. And yet, most of those shows I did not win. And yet, there is that resiliency. I know some people take that a little bit too personally. But even, even think of a high-level performance athlete, you know, people with, you know, million-dollar, $100 million contracts and all this pressure's on the line. You know, you could get cut. Head coach is going to get fired. Only one team can win the Super Bowl. Only one team can win the NBA World Championship. And, and what do you hear when they stick those microphones in front of the people who lose? I mean, they're already thinking of the next step. Well, we're going to get back in the gym Monday and we're going to do this. And next year we're going to do this. And here's what we're going to focus on in the off season. And, and I think we can have both. I think we can use that self-fuel. And sometimes us as coaches, you know, we, we, want, we want to protect our clients from those losses. Like if I had a coach at those times, you know, 1980s, 1990s, if I had a coach and, and my coach said, Joe, you're not going to win. Like just, you're not going to win. Like, can you imagine what that would do to my training and my mindset? Cause I was so sure I was going to win. So let me go through the process. Let me have that hunger in that, that, that execution of my will. And then, you know, trust that I can deal with the outcome. And, and I think that's one of the things that clients and coaches sometimes miss. So I don't know. I, I think the motivational and inspirational element of a coach is sometimes lost because we're trying to find that balance. And I think we need to meet those clients where they are with how their personality types are driving them. And that's just my first step. I know you're chomping a bit to get back in here. So, uh, you know, that's my first, when you said, I want them to want to win, I want that to fuel them. I think that's a huge part. The second is, expect to not win. I would say, expect this to be a long process. Expect, ex, you know, look at this for your career, going back to what we talked about last week, expect this to be a 10, 20, 30 year, a lifetime pursuit. And, you know, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some, and hopefully you're getting to that next, next level that you want, but that's just part of the process. Yeah, I, I should clarify. I, it's probably not a good idea to be that blunt. <laughs> I, there, there are more tactful ways of, of saying. I've, I've had those thoughts. I've had yeah. those compulsions to tell a client like, no, 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 hold on. Yeah, and and I think, and I like the way you said it though, uh, and, and that that's probably the more tactful way of, let's look at this as, as, a, as a 10-year career, 20-year career, 15-year career, because in any long-term thing that you do, there's going to be disappointments. There's going to be failures. There's going to be losses. But that means you're trying. 
that means that you're trying to push yourself to the next level. Not everyone's going to be able to come in and just rise to the top, you know, as fast as some people we see. Those are those are unicorns. Like those mm-hmm. those do not happen very often. And so, I think yeah, being able to phrase it the way that you did can soften that blow a little bit. You can kind of tell them, yeah, you're going to lose in in some areas, but you know, we're talking about 10 years and in 10 years, you are probably going to accomplish that goal at some point. I think my question then is, and this is probably, you know, very individually based on the client, you know, how do you, how do you set them up to not be so disappointed after a loss to the point where they, you know, I don't want to say quit, but they, they have this reaction that is, is a very negative reaction because that can happen because they can have that expectation of that they are going to win. So how do you set up a client maybe generally for that possibility? I, I think I, I have enough conversations, enough communication with my clients to do what we both agreed, which is talk about your entire career and, and how that path may go. And, uh, you know, I, I think most people in that self-delusion that I think does have some positive elements, you know, they do understand that it takes that drive and it takes putting all of your eggs in that single basket to do your best. And then you can always recover. And I'm going to give another example of how I think that, that, that overall arc looks. You know, in my early 40s, I did a master's degree in writing and, and I just, I still know, like, I'm going to make a living writing. I'm going to be a best-selling author in one one of two or three different fields. And yet, I don't feel like I have to write a book every year. I don't feel like, like, I, I'm still thinking of, okay, I need, first of all, I needed more education in those fields I wanted to. So I went and did two more master's degrees in the field I want to write. And so that was part of that long-term plan. It wasn't just, oh, get an agent, get a publisher, get that big deal, get that million-dollar contract. And now I'm looking at, okay, you know, one of them had to deal with my kids being, you know, adults. And so here's that. And now some of the things happening in society are here. So that's, that's good. And when I write this book, it's probably going to be when I'm at this age and I have the time to dedicate it. And so I, I think if more people thought of their career that way, and I know with bodybuilding in physique sport, it's not that you can take a 20 year swipe at this. But at least in a microcosm of that, to look at, you know, what are the steps? Bringing it back down to my bodybuilding career, it's why I ask my clients to learn to win at every level, like I did. I stayed in the novice category of small state level shows until I won. And then that earned the right to go to the open. I waited until I won that to go to a national show. I waited to win at that level to go to a pro qualifying show. And even though I was literally placing last at every first attempt at those different levels, you know, I ended up as a, as a good middle of the pack pro over time. And, and I, I planned that and and I learned to win and I learned to lose Nancy Andrews, the president of the INBF and WNBF. I've talked with her about this many times And just a couple of weeks ago, um, when I was out speaking at one of her camps, she said that the hardest thing for competitors, the worst thing a competitor can do is win too early, because then all of a sudden they get to that next level and they get destroyed because there are all kinds of gaps, whether it's stage presence or all the intangibles 
And they just didn't get the experience they need to be at that level. And I, I think that's crucial. Yeah, there's there's a big difference between the amateur and the pro level when it comes to bodybuilding. It's not and not just looks wise, like like you said, the intangibles, the stage presence, like just what comes down to hair, uh, you know, bikini color, like just so much goes into it at that pro level. I remember being at a pro show, a little side tangent. It was in Miami and I you know, I have a pretty amateur eye for it. And I, you know, granted, and I was like, I can't tell the difference between first call outs and fourth call outs. <laughs> like, what was the difference? I don't know. So, so yeah, it, 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 there's quite a jump there. So it's, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty, when I, you know, when I talk to Gen Pop and we're talking about, you know, trying to, you know, get a physique, you know, I always tell people, look at some of the best natural physiques in the world. And these are people that have been doing it for 15 to 20 years. Sure. Sorry. That's like, that's good. That's it. I'm like, that's kind of the bottom line. And so we've talked about it a lot in this podcast. It's, you know, we have to shift that thinking to, you know, I'm in this for life. I'm in this for the next 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. That's definitely going to be broken up in chunks and we're going to have those other goals along the way and, you know, achieve these goals as we go along. But, you know, if we can kind of shift our overall thinking, you know, into that mindset, you know, those, those, those five year, seven year, eight year, nine year chunks, all of a sudden they start flowing like this. It's amazing what I've noticed people accomplish in one year with that type of thinking. I, I tell someone, if you can seriously devote a year to this, you are not going to recognize your physique in 365 days. And people are like a year, I'm like, you don't understand how fast a year is. Like it will go by like this and you are going to be so happy with what you've done. You are not going to recognize yourself. And that's only just the beginning. That's only year one. Imagine now what you can do in two three, four, five, six, right. And that it just goes on. And so it is hard to get people to get excited thinking about the long term. I fully understand that we are just such short term thinkers. You know, we always, you know, we have this like idea that we're going to be around forever. Um, and so it, it is a difficult thing to do, but once you start to see the, the fruit of that thinking and, and, you know, what it does lead to, I do find it's easier than to kind of quote unquote, convince people to kind of think in that mindset. You know, the hardest part is getting that through that first year and, and really, you know, putting in the work. But once they've really realized that and seen that it does start to get a bit easier. You brought in the happy word. And that's something that I talked to my group about this week, which is, whether you ever win or not, or you ever achieve the grandest goal you think you have in physique sport, will you be able to look back and say that was worth my time just because I did that because it was part of my self-development because I, I pursued it competitively. Can you look back and say that that really made me who I am and I'm grateful or will you say, what a waste of time, like I didn't win. And, and people who are just externally motivated by that next title or that recognition, I'm afraid too many of them won't. And, and, and I, I, what really brought this to my mind, you, you may know Rick Beato, he's got a guitar YouTube channel. 
you know, a professor of guitar and, and producer. He's got Grammy winning songs. He's, he's got a phenomenal, like, like a couple million subscribers on YouTube, very instructional. He, he pulled out as a little show and tell, like these old hard drives from 20 years ago and reel to reel tape. And he said, I've got a whole room like just full of these things from my year as a producer. He, he kind of discovered and produced shine down. Like he's, okay. he's been around and uh, he said, I've got this whole room full. Like every single hard drive you see has just dozens and dozens of fully produced albums. And these are all the people who never made it. These are all the people that never had a hit song, never got a record label, never got that. Everybody here and millions more wanted to be the greatest artist that ever lived. Where are they now? Like I would, he's, you know, I would hope that they can look back at their careers and say, I made music and I express myself through this art. And I loved it, even though I didn't win the greatest prize in history it still was worthwhile and it made me happy. If all of that music represented people who were just shattered and, and hopeless and they hated it, like, wow, what a waste. So that's, that's my goal. You know, anybody listening to this, it's, you know, I, I hope you win. I hope you got the genetics to do it. I hope you got the will to do it. I hope you keep going because it's so worthwhile as a competitive outlet. If it fits into your life and you can dial in and dial out at different times you need to, but man, if you're not enjoying the whole part of it integrated into your life, I just I don't know why why you would do that, why you would keep hitting your head against the wall if it doesn't truly bring you some kind of joy. Yeah, if yeah, remember again, like I've I've said this so many times, it's supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be fun. Like you need to enjoy it. It's part of your life. It needs to be integrated into your life, like you just said. And if you're just, you know, fucking miserable the whole time, why, you know, why do you, why do you do it? And I think that's an important question. A lot of, a lot of competitors have to ask themselves and even just a lot of, you know, gen pop who are extreme dieting. Like if this is just making you miserable, then, then why, what are you doing it for? Right. You know, if you're, if you're competing just to chase a plastic trophy, man, I, I don't know how, I don't know how, you know, that's going to add to your life. Maybe in some way it will, but, uh, it, I think, yeah, you said it perfectly. It has to bring some intrinsic joy to your life for it to be, you know, truly trans transformative for you. And, and for it to, you know, I think truly bring and add something to your life. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that if you're not enjoying it to stop, it means reevaluate and shift and say, okay, you know, what could I do? Uh, maybe I need to just dial down the intensity in terms of my expectations. And maybe I can get involved in other aspects of the sport and maybe just give yourself time. Maybe just say, Hey, wow, I really have only been doing this for three or four years and I need to put in the, the time to, to really get there. But I, I really do think at the end of the day and using that music example, I think just for pure survival, we end up telling ourselves the best story. Like even the person who never wins the Super Bowl could be an, an iconic, you know, football player who should have had it. You know, they start a great career and those stats and other parts of their identity become, you know, the stories they tell. And I just want to make sure that people have that on the front end, it, you know, expect to win, drive yourself as hard as you can to win but understand that everybody else is doing the same thing. And even in competition, you should be able to be completely happy 
if you're on the other side of that win, just with what you did accomplish, which is the third thing you talked about, Tyler, which is coming to the self-actualization that when it's all over, I was doing this for me anyway. And, and that's, that's what should bring a, a good level of, of, you know, just feeling it was worthwhile. Definitely. You kind of said something there at the beginning of, of, you know, shifting expectations and that can be a hard conversation. I also find with clients of tell, not telling them, but having that conversation of, do we maybe need to change our expectations on our current goal right now? Because a lot of people don't want to, right? Because they feel like they need to have this goal, right? If they don't have this goal, well, then what's the point, right? I might as well have no goal. Well, let's back off a little bit, right? And, and yeah, I, I know this isn't quite what this podcast is about, but I still think it's an important thing to mention of it's okay to shift your expectation. It doesn't mean you failed. It doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. If anything, it shows growth, maturity, and self-awareness of, you know what? Maybe this just wasn't for me. I told and convinced myself this was what I was supposed to do. I did it. Eh, you know what? It's, it, there's, there's nothing wrong with trying so many things and figuring out that it's not for you. Because at least you fucking did it. And now you know. Right? And, it was, it was and one that's of my- a huge thing. As I was going through this, this kind of professional values list this week in my posts, it's one of those things I talked about, which is I'm going to fully support you in your, your biggest goal, but I'm going to also support, you know, change, which is exactly what you said. So winning, losing and living. Thank you, Tyler, for some great uh, commentary. All you guys watching, listening, appreciate you as well. Mind muscle connection. We will see you next time with another topic that we hope helps you make this all just a a better part of life and, and uh, make you a more complete person. So we will see you next time.